Hi, everybody, and welcome. We're really excited to have you here for MentorCore today. Uh, we have, as always, myself, Dan Ayala, Lisa Beth Lentini Walker. Hey, Lisa. Hello. How are you? <laughs> good. It's always good to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you and great to be back together again. Uh, and we have our guest today, uh, Donna Schneider. Donna, welcome. We're really excited to have you here. Why don't you tell you us so a little much. bit? Of, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, thank you for having me. First of all, my name is Donna Schneider, and I am presently the Vice President of Corporate Compliance and Internal Audit at Lifespan, which is a health system in Providence, Rhode Island, that encompasses four hospitals two uh, physician groups. One is a large multi-specialty group. One is a primary care group. It, it also encompasses um, a series of group homes, about 12 different group homes, and it's the largest system in the smallest state. So um, that's where we sit. And then myself, personally, by background, I'm a registered nurse with clinical experience, both in the hospital and in home care, different variations, different specialties. And I, early on in my career, decided that I wanted to get my MBA and did that and ended up in managed care for a while, doing a couple of different things, quality assurance, and then ended up doing network management and contracting, um, did a short stint in sales and ended up on the provider side working for what was then um, an IPA model HMO. And early in the 90s, when you know there's a lot of consolidations and HMOs were sold, um, one of the IPAs made a couple million dollars, and I went to go work for them. And they kind of was kind of doing when IPAs were doing their own thing directly with employers, did that for a while, a couple of years, and then ended up at a hospital doing managed care contracting. Then, you know, in a small hospital, you do a lot of things, ended up doing um, physician relations and then compliance and then privacy and quality and sort of morphed into, but that was my entrance into compliance was really from my background, um, from the clinical side into the business side. I love that you are a registered nurse. I think that's amazing. Um, and it's so interesting to me to see all the different backgrounds that find their way into compliance. Um, let me ask you the question, if you are in interested in healthcare compliance, do you have to have a medical background? Like what skills and attributes make for a good compliance, audit, risk, uh, security professional? And how do you start going down that path if you're interested in the profession? That's a great question. So I think from my perspective in healthcare, the, the most important skill is follow-up. So of course you need to have an interest because at our core, what, what our CEO says, I didn't make this up, is when someone asks you what you do, your response is, I take care of patients and my contribution is. So in terms of our team is, I take care of patients and my contribution is we protect patient privacy or we audit on behalf of our clinicians or we review internal audit uh, policies and procedures. So um, it's really from a healthcare perspective, what contribution do you want to make? And I think people enter on the healthcare side from a variety of backgrounds. They could have worked in a physician office. They could have been um, in some variation of clinical. They could have studied coding. Or I have some uh, of staff who would work for software companies. And 
on the other side and understand what goes into an electronic health record. So having that kind of skill and that kind of nomenclature, I think in healthcare, the nomenclature is what throws people off because there's so many different acronyms. There's acronyms in every profession, but in, if you have some idea of the acronyms, um, to me, someone wanting, having the desire to want to do this kind of work because it, in healthcare compliance and auditing and in privacy, there's very strict regulations and time guidelines. So that's why I mentioned follow-up. So being on top of it and communication and staying fluid is really, really important. But having a clinical degree is helpful, but if you don't have one, it's not prohibitive by any means. That's great. Um, so you know, all of that together, and especially in this time, in this era of healthcare being such at the forefront, uh, what's new in your world that, uh, that you're excited about as healthcare meets compliance? I think what's new in our world is um, we have, I think previously in healthcare compliance, we've been seen as sort of the, the police, you know, we're going to come along and tell you what you do wrong. And now I think because we've done a lot of work, and I say we meaning the generic we, to be at the table, to be consultative, to be partners, we're seen as collaborators. And I think that's what's really exciting because we could be on the front end now. It's sort of compliance 3.0, using our data of what's happened over the past year or the past two years to help the different clinical leaders or business owners mitigate potential risks, but actually make differences for patient and patient care. So I think that's what's really exciting. Now I get calls about, um, we're thinking about doing this. What do you think? Or, or I'd love your input in this, which, you know, in the past, maybe five, seven years ago, they weren't doing that because all we were talking about was, you know, HIPAA privacy or this policy or that policy. I think focusing on being collaborative makes it really exciting because you can make a difference. So that, what you just described, I think is, is something that many of us have wanted for a long time in both the security privacy, compliance, ethics fields to be more integrated with the things that are happening in the organization, not just a cost center, not just a back room, right. not just a back room function that does stuff. Um, so can you talk a little bit about the methods that you took, the steps you took to evolve that function to being a collaborator rather than just a cost center? Sure. I think um, the first piece of it is cadence. So um, coming into the organization, I think it's important to sort of take in a, an inventory of the field and who the clinical leaders are and focus on knowing who the decision makers are and who the leaders are at all the different affiliates. So probably for my first six months, maybe a year, I would say, who, what's their last name? And then try and me memorize their last name and meet them. Now, again, this is pre-COVID. But even now, if, if uh, from director on up joins our organization, I do a Teams meeting just so I, they can see my face, my name, and I can see their face, their name. So that's, I think that's point number one. The other piece is really putting yourself out there and staging, you know, agreed upon times and routinely connecting with different leaders um, and make, being intentional about that. So our CEO's council and our hospital affiliate presence, pr 
presidents, I connect with twice a year, no matter what. And even if it's just, hey, how are you? Same thing is true for the, um, the sort of the medical records leadership at all the different affiliates. Hey, how are you? Um, and just checking in and having the staff do the same, have the staff have different intentional assignments. They're not going into the clinical space right now, but they do so on a routine basis, um, making sure that happens. And I think also, and importantly, never say no. Somebody calls you, no one ever calls us just to say, hey, would you like a cup of coffee or how you doing? Just was thinking about you. That well, I don't know. You're you're making those calls out. Doesn't that begin? I'm to making set, them, doesn't that I begin mean, to set the culture that maybe you will receive them back? I just don't, Dan. I always want to, and I say when someone calls me, the first thing I say, oh, "You're just thinking about me, and you want to get together, or you want to get a cup of coffee." And they say, "No, no, no. I have a question." I'm like, okay, all right. Well, I just thought, yeah. but I think I think really trying to be that person and have that kind of energy and, um, and, and trying to continue to evolve the program because at, trying to keep it moving and evolving would, will keep us all engaged, us meaning collectively us. So hopefully that answered your question. So here's what I'm hearing. Everyone should take, a, take away that you should love on your compliance officer today in a very, you know, platonic way, but make sure that they know that you care and that you would call them, sure. even if you didn't have a problem. And even if you do have a question, call them and then wait a day and ask the question. <laughs> well, it's trying to bring that value at, you know, what can I, what can I do for you? How can I support you? Um, as much as you're going to, you're always going to be following up on something that may need a loop that may need to be closed. And I think if you have that sort of, what can I do for you and respond, then that creates sort of the thought that, well, compliance will get back to us and they will do something. So let me make sure I do this for them. That kind of a, you know, kind of process, I think is really important. That's really wonderful. So um, taking us in a little bit different direction, um, you have a team and the team is made up of many, you know, diverse professionals who have different backgrounds, different, um, you know, areas of oversight, everything from kind of, I think you have audits and mm -hmm. compliance and, and these different groups. How do you keep them unified in terms of like on, on uh, you know, they're all on the team and they all kind of work together well and continually learning? So that's another, uh, another great question. I tell everyone uh, from when I got here during the interview process and continually um, that I'm very focused on education. So as much as I can provide that, my commitment is to at least annually have an education um, day, as you know, Lisa Beth, and then provide them with the opportunity as much as I can in the budget to have one educational session they could attend virtually now um, or in person if that, that uh, appears itself. So I put that into our budget. Um, we have a staff meeting every month. And part of what we try to do during those staff meetings is we talk about our compliance plan and where we are in terms of the items, red, yellow, green, just sort of everybody knows. And I have the staff actually engage in making that plan. So there's all different components that can go into a compliance plan, but one of the components is the staff and the staff divides up into teams, a revenue compliance team, a privacy team, 
and sort of a generic internal audit compliance team. And they come forth with their own two to three items that are in consideration for the plan. So I want them to feel a part of this. I want them to feel like um, there's education that is they're gonna have of their own. And I also set down the expectation that your professional development is also your responsibility. You can't always expect your employer or your VP or your manager to be that person that gives you that education. They can help support you in that journey, but you need to take that on yourself. So I do um, try to walk the walk or walk the talk. So this, I have, I had other certifications this year. I um, got another compliance, sort of what I'd say the non-healthcare compliance certification, um, compliance and ethics to, to make sure they knew that I was doing that too. And kind of give them that sense that I study as well. And um, this year I have some new staff members. So I'm gonna be working on stuff, study sessions in the spring one a month for a series of four months to help them focus on the um, certification and healthcare compliance exam. Whether they take it or not, just to kind of talk for an hour during lunch of what the highlights are, what they should look for to give them that support. I love how you model the behavior that you would like to see um, with your team. I think that's so important. And given that you're in a space where you're talking about caring for, um, patients and you're talking about caring for whole human beings. Um, let's talk about you and, and what you do to keep your well-being in mind, because these are stressful jobs and difficult times. What do you do in um, the kind of self-care well-being space? Well, I think for me, I, I'm an avid runner. I started running. I have three daughters, so um, I have an older daughter and then twins that are two and a half years apart. So when they were about, the twins were five and the older one was seven, I just thought I had to, I have to do something for my sanity. So I started running. So I run super early, like five in the morning and um, four miles during the week and more miles on the weekend, but just kind of, that helps me think. So over the years, that's kind of trained my brain. That's when I do my best thinking. So that's, I think, my self-care. And the other piece of it is really doing things like this. So connecting with other professionals um, in the compliance space and also outside of the compliance space. I work, I volunteer on a board called Year Up that provides um, educational and intern opportunities for uh, youth in larger cities that are 18 to 24. So really for me, I get energized by being a mentor, having mentees, or talking to my mentors um, and staying in touch. I, my husband laughs at me, but I'm a connector. You know, people retire. I'm still staying in touch with those who were my mentors 30 years ago, because I think it's, that's what keeps us going. Donna, one of the, one of the things that people, we hear a lot of as we talk through groups like the Compliance Career Connection and others in, in the security and privacy field, uh, there's a lot of question about being prepared to enter a role. And the breadth of your organization is, you know, is fairly wide. So do you have any recommendations for people entering the field or that would like to become part of a team like yours uh, for them to be better prepared to enter, enter the field, be able to enter a new role or be able to break into the field of compliance, ethics, healthcare compliance, uh, and beyond? 
Yeah, um, in terms of that question, I think there's a couple things. Um, what's very helpful in healthcare compliance is obviously have some understanding of how healthcare works. You know, it's a big machine. So, so there are folks who have worked in billing or at a physician office, as I mentioned before, that have that understanding. Or there's folks that might have worked for a software company that have that understanding. So if, if you have been tangentially involved in healthcare, making those skills or those experiences known, I think would be super helpful. I, again, go back to if you're a person that's organized, who can multitask, and who can follow up on initiatives, and have the interpersonal, both oral and written skills, you can read and you can learn. You can't teach, you can't teach the inert um, desire to keep yourself organized and to stay follow-up. That's hard to teach somebody who doesn't have that real willingness to do it. But if somebody has that, then learning the different laws that are applicable in healthcare or in compliance in general can be learned. Learning the different uh, goals of the different business units or clinical areas can be learned. But that sort of EQ, that emotional intelligence to know how far to push and when, or when to follow up and when to leave it a few days, that's hard. It's kind of that shuck and jiving thing is hard to do or to teach. But if you have that, I think that's transferable into any, any part of compliance. Yeah, I'd agree. That flexibility is key. I'd rather to, I used to, um, I used to confer with a friend, a mentor of mine who was a, a vice chancellor at the university I attended. And long after I left, she would come back and ask, what do, what does industry want for people coming out of school? And the, and the, the response I would give and that she would get regularly from others and in, 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 that she would ask it to was, we want people who know how to learn and we want people who can be flexible, not necessarily that they come with these five specific skill sets but rather that they are, they know, they learn how to learn, which of course is in full support of a beautiful liberal arts education. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and I stand by that. It's been 25 years since I you know, started those conversations and I still stand by that message today. Yeah, I think it's important being a lifelong learner, no matter what it is, I think is important. I, my daughters will tell you, I frequently send them a podcasting. This is a great one. You all should really listen to this and send this all to your boyfriends. And I'm sure they love getting those texts at like, you know, 7.30 in the morning after I've listened to it. But There's I There's nothing someone likes from, a, from, 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 the, from your partner's mother than compliance <laughs> podcast. It's the way to their heart. <laughs> well, we're going to hope that you send everyone the link to this podcast so they can hear you. <laughs> Um, so following up on some of the skills that you need, let's, let's pull out the crystal ball here and do a little prediction. Um, as we look at what has changed over the last two years, <laughs> um, and what's even changed over the last five to 10 years, um, we know that, you know, there's a lot going on with, um, job obsolescence and, and things changing in your space. What do you see as some of the major things that are coming down, you know, the highway um, in terms of areas of growth and opportunity going forward? Well, I think privacy and security is a tremendous area of growth and opportunity. There will always be the need for core compliance, 
but how you reach the workforce and being adaptable and trying it in seven different ways to communicate with the workforce is key. So um, I think privacy and security, number one. I agree. What I would say. The way to figure out how to communicate with the workforce, number two. And I am still struggling with that because the majority of people I need to reach are not sitting at their computer. So what's the best way to get to them? Short of me doing a TikTok channel, I don't know. So um, that's, so we're trying different ways. Focus 10 cards in the cafeteria or in spaces where they might take a break if they can take a break. So how do we, putting it on the intranet, it's short, short, under two minute snippet. Um, trying to really hone down effective communications. I think those two things are gonna be really important. And then along those lines is what can compliance do for you? So we used to send out a one minute email. It's certain compliance policies or these are our policies and I'm not gonna do that next year. I'm gonna send out a communication but it's gonna be focused on what can compliance do for you? Like trying to bring the information effectively to the person, bringing that content. So that thinking along those lines, I think is really key. Frankly, when you talk about the skills, I think someone with a marketing background would be fantastic in compliance. Well, you actually went right where I was about to come back to. I got some advice about, actually, when we were rolling out GDPR compliance, I got some advice uh, to work with um, our marketing team. Uh, not just on customer communications, but also to pivot that in from a security and privacy and perspective and actually use the marketing expertise inside the organization to market to employees about why this is important, to colleagues, to staff, to partners, to why these things are important, because that group has got phenomenal skill in being able to quickly and concisely convey a message. And it also has the knock-on effect of, educating the marketing department at that time about, about the requirements of GDPR, which they were about to have to deal with. So it ended up having twofold, uh, you know, twofold benefit. But ever since then, the marketing team has been my first call when I want to do communications. Um, and so your, your comment about people with marketing skills, short circuit that, go right to marketing. <laughs> you know, and we did that this year. We branded our program. So we have our own little logo. And then what we've done over the past couple of years, but this year I think we did a great job during Compliance Week, which is a, 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 you know our national corporate compliance week. We did a, a mouse pad with a QR code and put the logo on it and then left it at all with all the nursing leadership. So we could go all, we focused on the clinical nursing. for that, That's for wonderful. Year. But you're That's... right. Marketing is key. It's key. And just trying to get in there Again, try and get your time, not to overstep, but I tried to get my time. And we they also helped us redo our employee response line poster with more infographics, less words, and more pictures. That's with the QR code too. But. Well, sure. Um, and Donna, that's great. And we've actually coming close to the end of our time together already. It went so fast. Um, but I want to I want to end with a, with a question we ask all of our guests um, because MentorCore is so focused on mentoring. Uh, we like to ask, what is the most valuable, most important thing you've ever learned from a mentor of yours? The one most important thing, um, I think it's really part of this relates to my personality, but really to take 
the time to assess the situation because we're always in compliance put into different situations, but to whether it's take a breath or take an hour or take a day, but really to take that time and provide non-emotional, concise, factual feedback. That's really been very, very valuable because the mentors I've been lucky to have in compliance and outside of compliance have been excellent at having a presence to deliver that message. You may have the best message in the world, but if you don't deliver it in a way that people can hear it, it's not gonna be effective. So that's really what I've learned. I think the most impactful lesson I've learned over the years from my mentors. That's wonderful. Donna, thank you for joining us. Once again, Donna Schneider, uh, Vice President of Corporate Compliance and Internal Audit at Lifespan Health System. Uh, thank you so much for being here, thank Donna. You. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. And for all of you listening or watching, thanks for being here. And we'll see you on the next Venture Corps.